two revivals and conferences a year, have now for the last many years, been far and near, and I know my dear friend Brother Malcolm will agree with this, you'll never find a more greater worship leader and music anywhere than right here at Woodland Hills Baptist Church. I was privileged to hear it twice this morning. <laughs> Not just the sound and the song, but the spirit in which the music is rendered. That makes all the difference. Thank you, Brother Hunt, Miss Becky, for another privilege and invitation and honor to be here with you. I love this fellow. He's blessed us at my personal Bible conference the last two years in December. I have some CDs. If you haven't got tired of him preaching, uh, you're welcome to him after the service. But I love your dear pastor. He's one of us. He is who he is by the grace of God. And uh, we appreciate him immensely in our circle of pastor friends. And to you, this church, you don't know how much... I look forward to coming, and I'm not blowing smoke, to be with you gracious and good people. As a matter of fact, I thought on the way over here between the campuses, Brother Aaron, uh, about what I heard of the nursing home. Not that you remind me of a bunch of old folks, but I <laughs> reminded of a sweet dear little lady. She was gathered for the evening meal in the dining hall they were. She was seated across the table and from about two chairs down, this old codger of a man. And every time that he would take his fork to his mouth, he couldn't help but notice that she was staring emphatically at him. And that disturbed the old fella. To the point he pushed away from the table and he jumped up and he looked and he said, Woman, why are you staring at me like that for? And she said, Because you look like my third husband. <laughs> Boy, that really set him off. And with a few choice words that I would not dare repeat, he said, well, woman, how many husbands have you had? And she said, two. <laughs> I want to submit to you, you look as well to me as that old man looked to that woman in the nursing home. Thank you for your spirit. Pastor alluded to dead churches. It's good to be in a live church. Amen. My dear friend, he and his lovely bride, Miss Nancy, Brother Malcolm, we go back many, many years, back in the 90s, early 90s, when I pastored First Baptist St. Augustine. Actually, it was in 91, a year after I became their pastor. We had built a family life center, dedicated, had he and Nancy to begin a dedication revival. We had nearly 25 saved that week, five, six, seven hundred attended on that Sunday and we have always appreciated one of the most premier expository preachers in America, Brother Malcolm Ellis. Thank you, my brother. In your Bibles, would you join me to the book of Joshua? The book of Acts is my favorite book of the Bible, the early church. But I pray God will use this familiar 
territory, Joshua chapter 14, and give us fresh truth. Focus, 2019. What a challenge. But each one of us here today, we accept that challenge. Amen? And we're thankful that we're still here. Joshua chapter number 14. Would you follow me down, please, if you will, to verse number 6. Joshua 14, verse number 6. Then the children of Judah came into Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Zephaniah the Kenizzite said unto him, said unto Joshua, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and concerning thee and Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And Joshua, you remember I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day eighty-five years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so my strength now for war both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Verse 13, and Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Zephaniah Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Zephaniah the Kenizzite unto this day because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. William Carey, a reformed Baptist preacher and arguably one of the greatest missionaries this side of the Apostle Paul He was born in 1761, and at the age of 33, he left England, and for the next 40 years, he literally transformed the country of India for Christ. His closest of friends and colleagues did their best to discourage him from ever going. The obstacles, they said, would loom too large. The challenges would be much. You can't do it. As a matter of fact, they said, William, there's no way you can survive in India, much less be a success. But his reply to those was always this. He said, and I quote, in dreams, all my desire was to see the heathen of India saved. And all my trust and hope is in Jesus Christ. For 40 years, he translated the Bible in dozens of different languages and dialects. He established over 40 Christian institutions across the country. 
Thousands were come to Christ as a result of his influence and ministry. If you were to have read his resume, it would have said something like this, education minimum, savings account depleted, references few, degrees none, but I am who I am by the grace of God. At the conclusion of his 40 years of ministry, he was asked by many, what Mr. Carey, do you attribute all of your ministerial success? How did you overcome those hurdles and obstacles? And he gave us that very famous quote that many of you Bible students have heard. He said, this is what I always tried to do. And I quote, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Somebody hear me now. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. We're going to face many challenges this new year. And for several of us, there will be obstacles that indeed will loom large. But let me just encourage you, our decisions that we make this year will determine our destiny. And as I've said before, I say very honestly and sincerely today, the best days of this church, I'm convinced because of your spirit and willingness are ahead of you, not behind you. But I want to encourage you this morning to expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Joshua is a transition book. 40 years of wilderness wandering now has come and gone. Moses ascended to heaven. Joshua's been installed as their new leader. They've come across into Canaan land. They've conquered the land that God had promised them. Now in our text, Joshua, along with the high priest, they too are dividing the land. And Caleb steps up. I think a lot as I study of Caleb about him. I hope today that he'll be a blessing, his character and conduct to you this morning. Caleb steps up and he begins to remind Joshua. He says, that land over there belongs to me. There are three things in our text because I'm convinced in our text we read today is a tremendous demonstration of a man who expected great things and attempted great things. And for the next few moments, if you'll oblige me a little time, I want to preach on this subject, great expectations. Three thoughts and I'm done this morning. From the text, I want you to notice number one about Caleb and Joshua. Notice with me Caleb's fearless request. He stands before Joshua and he says, Joshua, I just want to remind you, 45 years ago, you remember that God through mighty man Moses gave me a promise. Joshua, you remember God said, the land over there from which my feet had trodden shall be mine and an inheritance to my people. He said, Joshua, I just want to stand before you today and make a fearless request now, for you to get the background of this setting, you would have to turn to the book of Numbers, chapter 13 and 14. 
There you'll read where the children of Israel crossed the wilderness in about 11 days and they came to the gateway of the land of Canaan that God had promised. How many of the house today understand there's no need to inspect something God has already promised? Amen. If God has already given to you, why would you want to inspect it? But anyhow, they got to Cadiz Barnea and the 12 tribes, uh, uh, representatives from the tribes went out. They went out and spied the land 40 days and they came back. You know the story quite well. I like this because thank God, even though in the minority, there was somebody that understood the promises and provisions of God. 10 of them came back and magnified the problem. Two of them came back and magnified the promise. Ten of them said they're grasshoppers over there. Two of them said the grace of God is over there. Ten of them said we can't because of fear. Two of them said we can because of faith. But they chose the majority report. Amen. And Caleb is reminding Joshua for 40 years we wanted in the wilderness but that land over there is mine. Thank God. Caleb and his character. You know, the Bible says in the book of Numbers, chapter 14, verse 24, my servant God said, Caleb, because he hath another spirit with him and hath followed me wholly, I will bring him into the land. I look at Caleb's conduct and his character. He was a man with the right spirit. When the naysayer said you can't, he believed that he could. How many of you all of your life heard those words, you can't do this? But how many want to testify in the house of God this morning that you had a resolve in your life and now you can say, looking back over your life, I can, I can. You see, the children of Israel, they pose the question, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? How many understand that God can? And even in our life, in my life, God still does. Caleb's character, three times did you notice in our text that he was mentioned, he wholly followed the Lord his God. What a testimony. That phrase is not mentioned, but only seven times in the word of God, four of them in relation to Caleb. Wouldn't it be something that we could live such a life that God would have to coin a new phrase to describe us? And the very name Caleb itself means dog or dogmatic. In other words, Caleb was dogmatic. He was a pursuer. He was persistent in his relationship with his God. He was a chaser. And my friend, this morning, when you wake up each and every morning of your life, and whether you download a devotional on your device or get out the Bible and begin to read Scripture, when you meditate upon God's Word to begin your day each day, can I suggest you're a God chaser? When you come to the end of your week and you look back and, and you recall the frustrations and the times that brought you difficulty and disappointment, but still you resolve on Sunday morning when you wake up that me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and go to church today and worship God. Can I say you're a God chaser? When you're able to turn the other cheek to the world and not conform but stand upon the solid rock of God and believe with all of your heart that you're going forward, marching, pressing toward the mark of the high calling of God, the prize which is in Jesus Christ. When you can do this, you're a God chaser. And so it was with Caleb. He had this fearless 
request. Give me that land. But now, that's the introduction. Let me get to preaching. Is that okay? <laughs> he moves from a fearless request to a faithful resolve. Did you notice three times Caleb uses the word now? We're talking about an 85-year-old man. Both of these men, Joshua and Caleb, they're now gray-headed. And Caleb uses the word in verse number 10 and verse number 12 now three times. Caleb is living in the now. He understands that he's not serving a has-been God. Somebody in the house testify with me. God's not a God of yesterday. He's a God of today. Yes, he was yesterday, but our uh, privilege to being one of his children each and every morning, his mercy is fresh and it's new. He doesn't give us leftovers from yesterday. It's a brand new day with God. Mm. And so he makes this faithful resolve. Three times he uses that word now. Uh, may I just break it off and use a little East Texas vernacular to understand for you what Caleb was simply saying to Joshua. The first thing that he said to Joshua in the resolve, living in the now, he says to Joshua, number one, I'm still here. He said, I'm 85 years ago, but I, 85 years old, but I'm still here. In other words, I can read between the lines. He's talking to his bedroom buddy, Joshua. They, they've had a lot together over the years. And, and he's saying to him, Joshua, I just want to remind you that I'm still here. Joshua, you and I, we were born down in slavery. We watched the ten plagues of Egypt come and go. We crossed over the dry roadway of the Red Sea and watched the Pharaoh's armies swallowed up. And God brought us through. And we're still here. 11 days the wilderness and stood there at Cadiz Barnea. You and I were among the 12 that went out. We brought the grapes of Escrow on our back and I presented it to Moses and the people and I'm still here. We heard the words of God through Moses that for 40 years now we're going to have to wander in the wilderness, and we did. You and I watched our family die out there in the wilderness one by one those 40 years, but God sustained us. He put uh, shoes on our feet, clothes on our back that never wore out. He fed us with holy angel food. He turned a bitter water into sweet drink. Uh, he took care of us 40 years, and I'm still here. Woo! We crossed over the Jordan River together. Joshua, you were installed as our new general-in-chief. We met the captain on the mountain. He gave us the plan. We obeyed. We saw the walls of Jericho come down. We were victorious over the enemy. We made it through. God's not finished. I'm still here. Mm, I wish I was preaching in a black Pentecostal church along about now. Woo. You know, that's not just Caleb's testimony. Whew. Many of us have the identical testimony. We look back over our lives, and there were times that we were at the point of despair, perhaps, and maybe even at the point of d d death. Whether it was disease, 
disaster, death of a loved one, drugs infested by a child or grandchild. Maybe it was depression. Maybe we found ourselves at our wit's end, wringing our hands. Is it worth it? Maybe somebody in the house contemplated taking your own life. I understand all of us have these challenges and obstacles, but aren't you thankful the grace of God got a hold of you, brought you through it, and you can testify this morning that you're still here. Mm. Woo. Four years ago, I was in a revival outside of Buna, Texas, staying in a prophet's chambers, which was a building adjacent to the church. My son was on a mission trip in India. He started texting everybody, and at 1 o'clock in the morning, my phone and that group test just kept peeing. Thank God he's learned better than that now. I finally dozed off, and I was in a deep sleep. And I was awakened, I thought I heard glass break. Wearing a CPAP machine, a sealed-in AC window unit above my head. Couldn't hear anything hardly, but I'm thinking I heard glass. I'm lying there, still hooked up to my mask, going over in my mind what might have been hanging on the wall the other side of the room that could have fell and shattered. And then I noticed I saw a shadow through the crack of the little bedroom door. And I'm still, still not completely out of my sleep. I take my mask off. I wasn't packing at the time, but don't mess with me now. <laughs> I went to that little bedroom door, and when I opened it, in a daze, I saw a silhouette of two men. They had broke the window in the front room, climbed through, opened the boat door. They left the door cracked that was giving off a shadow, some light from a security light outside on the parking lot. And I'm standing there, and he swung at me. Thank God he missed me. The other one ran. The one that swung, he turned and he ran. I'm standing there watching them get in their automobile, dressed as how most men would dress at night in the bed. I'm telling my grandson, who was 14, his other papa was a sheriff deputy and investigator over at, Cro over at Crockett. I'm telling my grandson about it, and I stopped right there, and he said, Papa, they ran? I said, yes, son, they ran. He said, I know why they run. I said, you do? He said, did you scream? I said, yeah, out of instinct. He said, they thought you were a sumo wrestler. <laughs> Maybe so, but thank God they ran. But they had shot and killed somebody down the road in a break-in. You see, the devil has a bullet aimed for every one of us who love the Lord. That's right, he's got it aimed at your heart. 
But somebody in the house thank the Lord for his grace because when he shoots it, God's grace is there to deflect it. Many times we're not even hit, but every now and then it may deflect to a foot or a shoulder. It slows us down. It gets us discouraged for a while. But thank God we come back and you're still here. If you're not dead, God's not done in your life. I'm still here. Through many dangers, whoo, toils and snares, help me, brother. I have already, you ought to be on your feet. Through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. Tis grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead us home. Mm. Well, he said, I'm still here. But secondly, he said, Joshua, I still got it. Amen. That's exactly what he said. He said, I'm just as strong today as I was 45 years ago. I'm just as strong to go in and out of war. I'm just as strong. I still got it. Now, if you read the scholars, he's not necessarily talking about his physique. To be honest with you, at the age of 40, he, I don't care if he was Atlas, he wasn't strong enough to go over and take on them giants alone. He's not talking about how strong he is physically as much as he's talking about how strong he is in the Lord. He says, I'm still here. I still got it. I still wholly follow the Lord my God. And if God said it, that settles it. And I'm going to believe it this day. I still got it. Hmm. You know, age can make you discouraged, can it? Now you younger generations don't understand that now. I used to be right where you were. It can discourage you. Hmm. But he's saying I'm just as faithful now at the age of 85 as I was at the age of 40. In other words, he said I'm not going to quit. Why? Because you and I can't quit. We have more invested today than we ever had. There was a day when I was young when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I was solely responsible for myself. I was accountable to myself, maybe to my mom and daddy. But as I grew and became a married man, I became accountable to my wife. God bless us with two children. I then became accountable to my children. They have spouses. I'm accountable to them. We have six grandchildren, three from each child. I'm accountable to them. I can't quit. You can't quit. They're looking at us for an example. We've got a square our shoulders, hold up our head. We're marching, 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 marching onward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Let's go forward, not looking in a rearview mirror, expecting great things from God, attempt great things for God. I'm still here, and I've still got it. But the third thing in this faithful resolve that he said to Joshua was, and I got help. I'm not going over there by myself, but God's going to go with me. Woo. Let me just break it off again to you. I can imagine he reminds Joshua, Joshua, we're on the West Bank now. We're not on the East Bank. When you pick up your paper or read your devices or look at television news in the morning and they speak of Israel, 
They never speak of the East Bank. They're always talking about the West Bank. You see, on the East Bank was compromise, was conformity, was confusion. But when they crossed the Jordan and they got on the West Bank, uh, they understood it was continual blessings. It was complete victory. And first and foremost, when they got on the West Bank, they met the captain of the army. He said, I didn't come to take sides. I came to take over. And they followed the Lord. And victory was theirs. We're on the West Bank. We've got victory. Victory. And we've got the Lord. I've got help. But let me close. We see that he made a fearless request. And then it moved into a faithful resolve. But we can't close out the sermon without noticing this favorable response by Jacob. Verse number 13, Jacob had heard all this request. He never opened his mouth. He never discouraged, nor did he even size up with Caleb. He just listened. And then it says, and Jacob blessed Caleb. I don't think you heard me. Jacob blessed Caleb. Jacob didn't remind him how hard it was going to be. He didn't throw up red flags like so many do. He didn't let us know that the challenges would be too great. We would not overcome But Jacob understood that Caleb had already spoken Canaan language. 45 years ago, he told Moses in the people's presence, we are more than able to go over there and defeat them. And now Jacob blesses Caleb. What does it mean when a Jew blesses another Jew? Sometimes we use, I think, that word bless loosely. I got a pastor friend, every time I call him, he says, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Well, amen. But when a Jew blesses another Jew, that Jew literally puts his hand upon him and says, I'm praying that God of heaven would unleash all of his supernatural resources upon you. I am agreeing with you, Caleb, that you can cross over there and defeat those who remain in the way of giving you conquer and victory in that mountainous region. I am believing in God and trusting God that he'll be a God of protection and a God of provision, that he'll be with you and I'm going to be with you too. You can best assure I believe that God will have you back and he'll have your front side as well. You go with my blessings and trust God and he will provide. Whew. That's a blessing. Would you agree we have too many, too many that want to stand in our way? Even those that mean will always bring out the negativity in our life or what might lie ahead. We know it's difficult road. We know it's even impossible to live a Christian life. We can't do it. We must allow Christ to live it for us and through us.
We face battle royals every day of our life. We know that greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. We know there's no weapon the devil has formed against us that will prosper. And you and I know we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. We can. We just need somebody every now that will come up around us and hug us and remind us who we are. And just say, I want to bless you. I believe in you. You have folks here that you believe in, amen? Oh, they're not certainly without frailty. Oh, we can sweep other doorsteps. But there's some good godly people in this place that have stood with you, that have been there for you. Just like Joshua was with Caleb. I think for anything else, we ought to just in the house today, let our hair down, Brother Hunt, and let's get loose in this invitation and just find some people that are close to us, that mean something to us, and put our arm around them. Not only tell them you love them, but tell them you believe in them and thank them for believing in you. Mm. You may very well be here this morning. And you say, preacher, you rung my bell. There are many times that I didn't know if I was going to be here the next day. I faced death, maybe through an automobile accident, maybe through that disaster or devastating words. You've got cancer. Maybe you're a cancer survivor today. And they said it would probably not be possible. You wouldn't be around this long, but you're still here. And just maybe you're here this morning because God's awakened you and you know now how much you need him. I know every one of you love Jesus. There's no question about that or you wouldn't be here. But do you know him personally? Has he been there? Have you accepted him? Has he brought you through? I tell people I'd rather be right twice than to be wrong once. You may have thought you were saved way back yonder. Maybe you were, but God's got a hold of your life. I'd nail it down again and make sure. Maybe that's you today. But for the rest of us, I want us to move around during this invitation, if you will, use this altar. But specifically, before you leave out, those in the balcony, those around us, we've got time. I want you to leave the pew where you'll be standing and you find someone that's been there for you. And you take this first Sunday morning publicly in the house of God, become accountable and bless them because they're still here and they still got it. And we all got help. Will you stand with me, please? Will you bow your heads, close your eyes?